This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Hello. Let's all stand together, shall we? Our campus is joining with us over in Stevens Point in the little town over there in Green Bay. And uh, we're broadcasting live from our Appleton, Wisconsin campus this morning here. Here in downtown Appleton. And uh, let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us. And again, good morning to those in uh, Green Bay and uh, Stevens Point this morning. Hope your services are going well. Excited to be here today. First time we've ever been able to pull this off on a Sunday morning. I think we had a little technical problem last service with the sound. Hopefully y'all can hear me clearly now. But hey, we're excited. This is great. Been waiting to do this for 12 years. So we're finally, hate to be in a rush. But anyway, <laughs> We have issues, what can I say? But anyway, glad that you are here. I want to remind you about our uh, uh, event, our, 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 I don't get the word offense here. <laughs> we don't want to offend people. Welcome to offense. Uh, to our uh, Laugh Your Way Couples Comedy event that we're bringing back to uh, Green Bay uh, next month, uh, first weekend of next month, third and fourth, is that right? Yeah. yeah. So if you've never been to one, you ought to come. They're really a lot of fun. Great opportunity to invite maybe new people into our world that have never seen anything from a celebration church. It is very fun, very non-threatening, very, very entertaining, uh, and you'll learn a lot. I mean, it's really a lot of fun. For those of you who have been there, maybe it's been a while, you might want to come check this one out. Uh, we are, there's always new material that's being woven into the presentation. And our goal is to record a new DVD that will be released worldwide. Hopefully all will go well with that. Anyway. So keep that in mind. We are bringing to an end our uh, series on overlooking an offense. It's about talking about forgiveness. Now, that doesn't mean we will stop teaching about forgiveness. We'll probably continue to do that quite a bit throughout the rest of the year. Something I desperately want to get into the very soul of our, of our organization. That at this place, we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Every church in the world has forgiven people in it. Very few churches are filled with forgiving people. We should be 
forgiving people. Not just happy that we've been forgiven, but turn around and cut other people slack. And don't let things get under your skin and drive you crazy. It is to one's glory, we've been reading, to overlook an offense, which means it's not to your glory to get all hung up on goofy things, even things that maybe are fairly important. You shouldn't be getting offended by stuff. We live in a cultural culture today in America where everybody's offended about everything, constantly. It's like, whatever happened? We used to be strong people. Now if a fly lands on your head wrong, like, oh, you can't handle anything anymore. Good night. Toughen up, folks. So anyway, we're going to continue this uh, throughout the year, but this, the immediate series we're going to bring to a close this morning. I want to read to you from Luke, the 15th chapter. Jesus is giving a story, which they call parables, uh, to the people. And it's called the parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal means lost. So we read here, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. So all is well. I don't know why he moved for this, but he wanted everything split up. He wanted to get his share now. So it's said there. And of course, with a lot of people, they get money and it just starts to burn a hole in their pocket because they got to spend it. Got to spend it. Got to spend it. Which, by the way, most people's financial problems isn't that they don't have enough money. Although I'm all for having more money. All right. But the problem isn't lack of money. Often it's just that we spend too much. I've seen this over and over again. People make $30,000 a year. think, man, if I could just get to $60,000 a year, I'd be set for life. And they start making 60 and they're in a bigger hole than when they were making 30. I've seen them double it. Go from 60 to 120, you would think life is good now, right? And they are in a tighter spot than when they were making 60. It's because we spend money like drunken monkeys, right? You get all this money and everybody lives at the max. If you doubled your income, what's the first thing everybody's going to do? Let's get a bigger house. Although the house you have is fine. And then, of course, we go to the bank and find out what's the max we can borrow. Then we live at the max, and we find out the new car, what's the max you can borrow? And then at the end of the day, I know, I know one person in particular, 500 grand a year they make. <clears throat> they can't even go out for dinner. If I come at the last second, well, you know, that's not in the budget. Not in the budget. You should be able to pay for everybody's dinner tonight. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, it's, that's the, I'm telling you, it's a spending problem. Now, I get we all want more income. Thank God. But you got to get a handle on what you have. Anyway... It says, the next verse, not long after that, this money's burning a hole in his pocket. The younger son got all together he had and set off for a distant country. And there he blew it all. He squandered his wealth in wild living. He was party central. And I'll bet he had all kinds of friends. One thing about money, if you start handing it out, people like you a lot. As long as he's paying for everything, paying for dinner, paying for drinks, paying for the party. Everybody's wrong. What a great guy. The problem is, at some point you run out of money. Jesus said after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. Of course, all those friends he had suddenly have vanished. No friends now. They didn't get anything out of him. So now he doesn't know what to do. So he goes and he hires himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, to his fields to feed pigs. Now, this is very insulting for a Jewish young man, having uh, that culture there, not wanting anything to do with pigs, but now he's feeding them. He, he's a 
pig farmer. And it says, Jesus said, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. Now, when you look at pig slop and you go, I could really use some of that. You are in a bad place. He is really hungry. And it says, Jesus said, nobody gave him anything. And then he came to his senses. Somebody say, thank God. Aren't you glad that you come, at some point you come to your senses? You know, at some point you realize that what you're doing just isn't working. It's amazing how many people never come to their senses. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know how people live without God in their lives. I mean, it would, I just, I remember doing it. I thought it was horrible. When I finally found out that I could actually have a relationship with God, man, I wanted in on this. And life became so much more richer and empowering. But without God in your life, man, what keeps you going? I mean, that's why so many people self-medicate. Drugs, alcohol, this, that, and the other. You know, depression and all that. Life just is awful. But at some point, thank God, people have a chance to come to their senses and realize, this isn't working for me. I don't know what point it happens for you. Hopefully it happens young before you get too crazy. Some people, they got to go through half a dozen marriages and, you know, in and out of rehab and this, that, and the other before. Finally, they come to their senses. Some, sadly, never come to their senses. And if you have friends and family that you care about who don't have God in their life, it's one of the best prayers you can pray for them. Lord, help them come to their senses to realize this isn't working. So, that's what he does. He finally comes to his senses and he says to himself, man, how many of my father's hired servants? He Pops has got a lot of money. He's got this whole big thing. He's got all these people working for him. Man, how many of his hired servants have food to spare? I'm here starving to death. I know what I'll do. I'll go back, go to my father and say to him, and then he starts rehearsing this speech he's going to give to his father. Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like your hired servants. So I'm going to get this in. I know I don't deserve this anymore. I'm not at all. I'm asking, can you just give me a job? Just like one of these other guys. And he gets this into his head because he's convinced that when the father sees him, he's going to be furious, which is a lot of people think about coming to God in their lives. I don't know how many people I have, and maybe some of you have had this, where you invite somebody to church. I say, man, I can't go. Lightning will strike me dead. You know, they literally think God is just up there ticked as he can be. And as soon as he walks in, that's not the way this works. And that's why Jesus is giving this story to show how it works. So anyway, this guy gets up, comes to his senses, he heads out to his dad. And Jesus said, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, recognized him, uh, was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. And he threw his arms around him and kissed him. Well, right away, the son, he's not even grasping this. He's got to go into his pre Rehearse speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But before he could get any further into his speech, the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring, on, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. We're going to have a party. This is a great day. Unless, of course, you're the fatted calf. All right. So for this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Now meanwhile, the older son, the older brother, okay, was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's up? What's happening? Well, the guy says, well, your brother's come home. 
And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. Well, the older brother <clears throat> is not happy about this. What does he do? He becomes angry and refuses to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him and said, look, all these years, the son says, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, it wasn't his brother, <laughs> son of yours, you know, you parents know what I'm talking about. You talk to your spouse, hey, that kid of yours, right? <clears throat> Go deal with him. Not my kid, you can have him. That son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, and you kill a fatted calf for him. And the father said, my son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Now, I don't think I've ever quite understood this parable, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I get the first part. That's the easy part. The guy goes off. He does all kinds of stupid stuff. I have a PhD in stupid, so I get that. Well, do dumb things. You come to your senses. Oh, and you come to God and he, instead of rejecting you, he hugs you and he kisses you and all of heaven, the Bible celebrates when someone turns from the wrong they're doing and decide to follow him in faith. So that I get. Never quite understood the older brother. What's his beef? What's his problem? Uh, until I heard Becky Schomer speaking last Sunday. She did a great job. She's a great communicator and, uh, and also some great insights. And she said something last night that just ding went off in my brain and a whole lot of things started making sense. And particularly this parable. That's why we're talking about it today. And, and that is this. Becky talked about the difference in language and stuff between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament's written in uh, Hebrew. New Testament's written in Greek. Culture changes and stuff like that. She says, when you read about offense, and the scripture that we've been reading is from the Old Testament, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. The word offense there has to do with something that's done to you. Somebody does something to you. Something bad happens to you. And it's to your glory to overlook it. Let it go. But she says in the New Testament, you start to see a different version of offense. And it's not about what has been done to you. <clears throat> it's that it's about being mad at other people for what they do. For example, the Pharisees, the religious pinheads of Jesus' day, got all offended by Jesus. What did Jesus do to them? Nothing. But it didn't matter. They just approved of him. He spent his time hanging out with sinners. Like all you people, all right? <laughs> Especially over in Green Bay. <laughs> no, that's okay. Stephen points, it's worse than all y'all, so it's all right. <clears throat> so uh, they get mad about something that somebody else does. That is what is offense. And I thought, oh, my Lanta. <laughs> that is it. That is it. People get mad. They get offended. Really, nothing's even happened to them. They're ticked off because they disapprove of what somebody else says or does. And oh, man, do we have this problem today in America. All these little snowflakes floating around our country, melting. Because ah, somebody said something. They heard something they didn't want to hear. Now, when I grew up in the 1800s, <clears throat> we had a saying. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words... Don't mean Jack. Not today. The worst thing you can do is say something somebody doesn't want to hear. These college campuses, these people have lost their ever-loving minds. <clears throat> they have safe zones. 
Where nobody, you don't have to accidentally hear something you don't want to hear. And if you get overwhelmed, they, they let you hold puppies. <clears throat> Seriously, this, this is in America. Grown men and women holding puppies and crying. Because they heard something they didn't want to hear. This has gotten out of control. They all need a gigantic swirly, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> Snap out of this stupidity. Oh, is it, but make no mistake, this has affected us. This has affected Christianity. And now people go around and they get mad simply because they disapprove of what somebody else did. Again, has nothing to do with them. I just said, I don't like the way this happened. And they get all crazy. Now the older brother pretended that it was about him. That's when he said to his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I never disobeyed your orders. And you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And the father answered correctly, hey, all this stuff is yours. You can have it anytime you want. The truth of the matter, he didn't care. He didn't care. He didn't really want to party with anybody. You know, there's a lot of people that don't like getting together with people. Half of you in here are probably in that category. I'm telling you, a lot of people. See, I'm one of these fun people. Fun people love to be around people. We get around people, it's like a drug to us. We love it, and we're full of energy. Now most other people, when they get around people, they can enjoy it, but at some point, they are slowly sucking the life out of them. These are the people that you have them come over for an hour and a half, and you can't wait for them to leave. And when they finally leave, oh, I never thought they'd leave. Oh, uh, uh, uh. People like me are going, it's only 3 a.m. Where are you going? Come back! <laughs> we love to party. We love people. And I guarantee people who really like to be with people, I, if this was my situation, my dad wouldn't have to tell me I can go party. <laughs> I would be partying all the time. <laughs> I'd be eating all the goats. One goat sees me, they turn and run. Ah! So this guy was full of baloney. Well, I never got to party with my friends because he never wanted to. He didn't want to party. This guy could have cared less about partying. And again, there's a lot of people like that. It's not a problem. It's not even a slam. You know, seriously. I get a kick out of people who can't send people. <laughs> I have some great friends like that, actually. <laughs> I just like to poke them a little bit, you know. And they're very honest about it. They just, it just, it exhausts them. My wife, Debbie, the little cute little redhead, she was kind of like that. She didn't really enjoy being that much around lots of people. She would do it, a faithful woman at church, smile, and she'd come to these conferences with me, and she'd smile at everybody and shake their hands and answer all those questions. But slowly, you were sucking the life out of her. <laughs> and when it was over, it was like, ah! I'm like, wee! So it's fine. It's not a slam. There's some people, that, they're not cut out for that. It's fine. Need to work on it, maybe, but it's fine. Uh, now, Deanna now, she's party central. She's already planning how she can invite all y'all over to the house next week. You know, <laughs> We've just been on the road. Wait till it slows down. And we're going to get all kinds of invitations. Come party with us. You know, that's just her. Then I'll probably be going, oh, I can't believe these people are still here. I don't know. But... By the way, she says hi. She was going to be here, but she, she, took, she went, uh, took this weekend off to go visit her family and friends in Alaska. Why anybody would leave here to go to the warmth of Alaska, I don't know, but that's what she did. So greetings from her. Anyway, the truth of the matter, this older brother wasn't very social. He didn't care. But, but he, want, he wants to make it like it's about him. It wasn't about him. We didn't get to the truth until verse 30. When he says, that son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes. 
See, it was all about he disapproved of the younger brother. Had nothing to do with him. So, so the younger brother blew all his money. How did that affect him? That affect him. You know, if y'all spend y'all's money, doesn't bother me. You start spending money, my money, we're going to sit and talk. It didn't affect him. What did he care? Nothing he did affected him at all. But he was so disapproving. It shouldn't be done that way. This is a problem that has poisoned so many churches in America today. People get offended often today, not because of something done to them, but because of something they disapprove of what somebody else says. Somebody else does. They change the service times. You know. Yeah, people leave the church because we went to one, one Wednesday a month instead of four Wednesdays a month. This is crazy to me. You know, really? It doesn't take much to set people off. And it's really not any done to let just disapprove of something somebody else does or somebody else says and they just have a fit. So <clears throat> this morning, the title of my message is Beware the Older Brother Syndrome. What is a syndrome? A syndrome is a group of symptoms which consistently occur together or a condition characterized by a set of associated symptoms. What are the symptoms of the older brother symptom? Well, number one, if you push you'll find out that nothing has actually happened to them. Now, if somebody does something to you, you're still supposed to let it go. But at least that I got some compassion for. Some guy comes up, punches you in the face. I get it. You'd want to punch him back, right? Somebody hurts you, somebody attacks. That I understand. Even then, we need to overlook the offense. But when somebody is in this state, it's not about them at all. They're just mad because of something else that somebody else did or did in a way they disapprove of. All right? Number two, they proclaim their love of righteousness. I just want to do the right thing. I shall do the right thing. I can't believe he did the wrong thing. It's just not right. It's just not right. And they become obsessed about what's right. I preached a message a few weeks ago. Beware the love of righteousness. Now that sounds odd, because we are supposed to do what is right. But when you start to love what is right more than you love and care about people, now you have a problem. And Jesus talked about this. Remember the Pharisees got all mad at him and says, your, your, your disciples are doing what's against the law. And it was. Well, why didn't you say anything to him? And, and, and David, he uh, took some of the holy bread that nobody was supposed to eat except the priest, and he ate it with his buddies. Was it wrong? Yes, it was wrong. But in all those cases, and there were other ones where Jesus said, the difference is the circumstances. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, but if your goat falls, again with the goats, if your goat falls in and uh, on the Sabbath, you, you, you get it out. You don't want to, you wouldn't normally do that, but why? Because people think you know, your life is more important than every little strict little thing all the time. But these people, it's never, they don't care about what other people do. You don't care about the circumstances. And be careful. That's why Jesus says, do not judge. <laughs> I'm sorry. If the attention span of a fly. There we go. Don't judge people harshly. Uh, because the truth is, if you are in the same situation, you'd probably do the same thing. And that's why we deceive ourselves. Oh, I would never do I would never do that. Yeah, you would. Don't ever think you wouldn't do something. Given the right set of circumstances, any one of us is capable of doing anything. Anything. That's why you want to pray, God, keep me out of those circumstances. That's why we pray the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. 
And more than just the Lord's Prayer, Jesus told his disciples, pray, pray, that you don't fall into temptation. It should be one of your prayers. When you pray every day, at some point, you ought to say, God, keep me out of temptation. Keep me out of trouble. Because I know me, and I don't handle that stuff well. You think you're above doing something wrong? You are delusional. Number three, they're very quick to point out and condemn the actions of others. They're great. And they love to talk about the offense of others. And when you hear people start talking about something they disapprove of, you know, you, you ought to just, you know, sip it, Skippy. Don't listen to them. Don't, don't get caught up in secondhand offenses. Secondhand offenses tend to be worse than firsthand offenses. I don't understand it. People get mad about what happened to somebody else. Not, not only is this person uh, upset because of something's not right, nothing that happened to them, the second person, definitely nothing happened to them, and they're more mad than the first person. And it gets out of control. This is what happens in churches all across America, all the time. There's 400,000 churches in America today. 80% of them have less people than in our campus here in Stevens Point. You know, we're about 150, 200, whatever. Or, I'm sorry, Appleton. <laughs> I don't know where I'm at. Here in Appleton or Stevens Point. What the same di difference there. Most churches in America have 100 people in them or less. 80% of 400,000 churches have less than 100 people in them. Why? That's about how many people you can get together in one room and they don't tick each other off. And even then, they probably do tick each other off, but they stick around because at that point, half the church is related. <laughs> I'm serious. Hey, my cousin, though, he's a jerk, but he's my cousin. He'll be coming over later, you know. I don't like that, but that's my uncle, and he married my sister's cousin, and, you know. About 75 people, so I'll get together in a little, you know, little group. Shelter themselves off so they don't have to experience anything they don't want to see. It's, it's as bad as these college campuses with their safe zones. A lot of churches are safe zones. There's bad, I'm telling you. What's so funny to me is most Christians, evangelical Christians, vote politically, conservatively. And they rail and complain against the political correctness. But there's no more politically correct safe zone in the world than in most churches. You know? So you can't say this and you can't say that and you can't do this and you can't do that. And they're like, good night, check your medication. And some of these churches, that's, I don't get invited to a lot of those churches. Because <laughs> I say things I shouldn't say. Apparently. You know, people ask me to come talk about relationships. There's one lady before we go, she says, oh, you're not going to use the S word, are you? She's thinking about sex. But the first S word that popped into my head wasn't sex. <laughs> I think, why would I say that? <laughs> and then I figured it out. Oh, okay. Anyway. And then number four, they seek to destroy the offender. Who, when somebody does something we disapprove of, we want them to pay. We want them to pay. Not only do we not forgive them, we want to extract some kind of punishment or revenge. And that is the most evil part of this. You know, as far as that son was concerned, his dad should have had nothing to do with him, throwing him out and let him starve to death. And that's where people really start to lose it. You don't agree with this person or agree with that person and stuff, and you want them to pay. They think it's going to... That, that builds up righteousness. It doesn't build up righteousness. It just advances the cause of self-righteousness. Feeds a spirit of legalism and nourishes the need for revenge and punishment. When you are thinking somebody needs to pay for what they did, you do not understand grace.
See, Jesus took our punishment. Aren't you glad? But that's not enough for these pinheads. Someone else, they got to pay, got to humiliate them, got to do something. Now, this problem is in churches everywhere. Remember, we live in America that no longer believes in the forgiveness of sins. We used to be a Christian country. We're just not anymore. I mean, anybody who still thinks America's a Christian nation, you're delusional. This is far from a Christian nation. And the further we get from it, the less we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Christians, a true Christian understands forgiveness. We live in a culture today that if a politician is, you know, like, like, like uh, this Democrat governor in Virginia or wherever at, they found out that he did something racially insensitive 30 years earlier. And Republicans were demanding he resign. Pinheads. So he did 30 years earlier? And then when the Republican was trying to get into the Supreme Court, then the Democrats howled because he was at a party where somebody was drinking and he touched something he shouldn't have touched. I got to tell you, most of you would be disqualified right there. <laughs> I don't think any of us could run for dog catcher. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine me running for office? <laughs> Man, did you ever do such? Yeah, I did. <laughs> did you do? Yeah, I did that too. <laughs> well, you didn't do that? Yeah, I did that one too. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Man, they wouldn't vote for me. Because in America, we don't believe in forgiveness of sins. Somebody does something 30 years early. If you hear about some politician that did something 30 years early and you get mad, you need a swirly. Stop this stupidity. 30 years of doing life right, and then you go back to one event somewhere, somewhere, somehow. is outrageous to me. We have lost our ever-loving mind in this country. We no longer believe in the forgiveness of sins. You gotta pay. Punishment must be given. Ugh. And this older spirit, this older brother spirit, this has been in the church for a long time. I don't think you can, we can even get our heads around that over the last 2,000 years of Christianity, there were times when they would burn people at the stake. They would torture them to death if need be. Throw them alive into rivers and all because they disapproved, you know, they, they're a heretic or something like that. And some of it is crazy. Martin Luther. Now, if you are, anyone of people all over the world are watching right now, right from Appleton. And uh, if you are in a non-Catholic church today, you have one guy you can thank, Martin Luther. Martin Luther was the guy, and not Martin Luther King. <laughs> I don't think they teach anybody anything in school anymore. <laughs> That was the civil rights guy. I'm talking about Martin Luther lived in the 1500s. He was the one that discovered, you know, uh, he's the one who broke away from, from Catholicism and said, look, you don't work off your sins. Sins are forgiven by grace, by faith in Christ. The very message we still preach today. He started. Well, Paul initially, but they got all jacked up. Luther was the one who straightened it all out. But then that guy, Luther, advocated killing people who disagreed with him. It was insane. He actually, oh, he's got so many blots. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't even want to get into it. Anyway, see that spirit will get on you. Even a guy like that, God using him in a miraculous way to change the world. Disapproved of people who didn't do the right thing to the point of violence. John Calvin, you know, he's a guy who, one of the Protestant, early Protestant leaders. He once had a man burned alive at the stake because he didn't have the proper 
idea of the Trinity. Do you know how many countless clergymen over the last 500 years would take people that if they were suspected of being witches or something, would torture them? Or, or one of the proper things, they tie them up and they throw them in a river. If you floated, you were a witch. If you didn't, I guess you're cleared. But now you're dead. I mean, this is insane. The reason why people left Europe, Christians left Europe and came here is because of all that stupidity. That's why they started this country. Man, let's worship with freedom. That's why trying to hurt us. Why? Because even in people who do things right and understand grace, they still get crazy in their heads. Don't think this can't affect you. It can. And it has affected our church and it's affected churches all across America. Everywhere I go, I've been talking about this. Every pastor I talk to says, man, we have the same problem. We have the same problem. People getting, taking offense. The idea of overlooking an offense is foreign. The Bible says you should cover the sins of others. We don't cover, we reveal. Give me that blanket. You got to see what this guy's like. Christians doing this. We let the spirit get in us. The thing Jesus is warning about in this parable. And if there's one thing I want this church to get, and I don't care if I got to bang it in our heads over the next 20 years. We forgive people. You forgive people. Don't get crazy and all psychotic because somebody does something you don't like. You shouldn't even do that if somebody does something that ticks you off personally. Get over it. Goodness gracious. Beware of the older brother syndrome. Don't get offended by things. Don't keep, you know, love says, the Bible says love keeps no record of wrong. Boy, do people keep record of wrong. Especially married couples. I remember it was January 26th. 2009 the wind was out of the south southwest at five miles per hour and, and you said my pants made me look fat good lord get over it you shouldn't be keeping record of offense when you think about other people you shouldn't be able to honestly you shouldn't be able to think about anybody who's ever hurt you that's what you need to get to i, I can say with all honesty thank god i live there i live there i have to stop and think oh, oh yeah yeah okay that guy ticked me out yeah yeah but yeah, I don't walk around with this stuff. So man, who wants that weight on their shoulders? Man, let it go. Let it go, let it go. Stupid movie. Amen. <laughs> they did that just to torture parents. If you see somebody doing something bad, go talk to them about it. If you see something you don't agree with, talk to someone who can do something about it. If someone's talking to you that you have no power, to, tell them to go away. Did you go talk to yourself? No. Well, then go do it. Leave me alone. Don't get all caught up in secondhand offenses. Don't get mad because if somebody else got mad and now you're more mad than they were in the first place. At the end of the day, your love for people should be greater than your love of what you believe is right. The father in the parable rightly answered the older brother. He said, look, we had to celebrate and be glad. This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. I'm going to invite our uh, ushers to come forward at our different campuses. Get ready to serve communion this morning. We're going to turn our attention to what Jesus did for us. He died on that cross. Why? So that we could have forgiveness of sins. Everything wrong you've ever done. Maybe you're listening to me this morning and you're like the young brother. You've done all kinds of stupid things, bad things, things you shouldn't have done, hurt a lot of people. Maybe your life is a mess. You can't see up from down. Well, I got good news for you this morning. Jesus can make it all right. 
He'll set you free, man. He'll forgive you of everything you've ever done wrong if you'll simply ask him for forgiveness. Put your faith and trust in him. Because he made this possible. That's why we celebrate communion. We're thinking about his body that was broken, that makes us whole. His blood that was shed that can wash away all of our sins. And I'm going to invite everybody to uh, join with me in a prayer. Everybody can bow their heads across our campuses here. And invite you all to pray this prayer with me. If you've never really put your faith in Jesus, now would be a great time to do that. Let's pray. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And that you love me so much, you went to the cross and you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. Amen. I'm going to ask, invite the ushers to go ahead and start passing out the communion. Uh, you can join with us. You don't have to be a member of uh, Celebration Church to join with us in communion. Just take the bread, uh, then either the wine or the grape juice. Most of it's wine. The outside ring is grape juice if you don't want wine for whatever reason. But don't take it. Hold it. Uh, and then we'll take communion all together after everyone has been served. And at this time, our campuses can break away to their own services.